Good morning. How you guys doing? Good. Man, we had 200 ladies here yesterday. Uh, it was just a phenomenal, phenomenal day. And uh, this room was completely transformed. I mean, there was tables all over, ladies everywhere, crafts. The stage was decorated. I mean, they just did a phenomenal job. And the most important thing was women were connecting together, rallying together. It was just a great, great day. I want to just uh, publicly once again say thanks to my wife who led the charge on that. Great job, babe. You know, when I think about being around the table this holiday season, and that was what yesterday was all about. It was about before the holidays, and it primarily seems to focus in on Christmas. Seems like Christmas is the one time that kind of brings us all together, but, but there's this event that happens before Christmas, and what would that be? That'd be Thanksgiving. It's one of those events that we love. It's almost like preparation for Thanksgiving is what it feels like in many ways that it's become. At Thanksgiving time, we gather around together. We'll eat and uh, we'll laugh, <laughs> we'll hang out together with family, with friends, we'll play, uh, we'll eat um, again normally uh, because it's Thanksgiving and that's what you do, you eat again. And uh, how many of you love those turkey sandwiches later, you know? Put them on some white bread, the Hawaiian white bread. Oh man, like, mmm, that's, that's some good stuff right there. Last year we had a lot of turkey left over, and so I decided to take the turkey and put it in our KitchenAid. Now, you may go, what are we going to put in the KitchenAid? There, in the KitchenAid they have this one tool that you can put in there, and it will it kind of dice up meat. So I put that in there, and then I put a bunch of uh, Frank's Red Hot sauce inside of it, and, uh, and turned the KitchenAid ma maker on, boom, it, it just did it up, and it was good. Like, my family was very surprised. I put some cream cheese in it, and, uh, and I don't know portions at all. So I just, it just happened to work out, and uh, I just kind of do what my wife does. She comes in the kitchen. She puts a little bit of this and a little bit of that in, and sometimes that works for me, and many times, most of the time, it does not. And, um, but it does for her. But, but we'll gather around. We'll gather around a table. In fact, uh, this Thanksgiving, we'll gather around the table at my house with my family, and we'll all be gathered around there. And this is actually one of the chairs from, from my house that people will be sitting in. And uh, what, I, what I need is just, I just need one volunteer today. And, and, and uh, I, need, I need someone with some muscles. And uh, <laughs> Anthony's like, oh, no, never mind, not me. Some, someone, who's, someone who's pretty strong. All right, come on. Come on, come on up. Here we go. So... Now, here's the thing. You're, you're going to get the special seat today during the gathering, okay? This is, this is going to be your seat right here, okay? You get, to, you get to be a part of the gathering. And so here's what I thought. I thought, you know, that seat may be a little comfortable, so I got you a Starbucks refresher, all right? It's got some caffeine in there, okay? Have you ever had one of those? No. They're addictive. So um, got some of that. And then, and then I was thinking uh, maybe we should get you some more things, you know, Here's some popcorn in case you get a little hungry, some choco creams, and uh, if you don't like that, here's some sweet and salty mix, okay? 
So this is, that's all yours, all right? In fact, you know what? Maybe we should do this because we'll, just, we'll bring the table over here to you because you, you're probably going to need that. So here, here, just don't spill on my stuff, okay? All right. All right, so here you go. This is your seat the whole time. Are you ready for this? All right, here, take, the, take those out right there. Okay, all right. All right, here we go. Good. So today... <laughs> oh, don't mind that. That's, that's just... We'll, we'll get to this here in a minute. So if you have your Bibles, if you guys would open up to Exodus chapter 1. Exodus chapter 1. We're going to look at verse 6. We're in the series right now around the table, focus on the giving of thanksgiving. Here's what it says in verse 6. It says, Then Joseph died, and all his brothers, and all that generation. But the people of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly. They multiplied and grew exceedingly strong, so that the land was filled with them. It's interesting to note in this passage that Joseph the one who we know much about, the one who was sold into slavery, yet in the midst of his slavery rose to the top. In the midst of all the moments happening in his life, he continued to, to move forward and move on. He was an individual, though, who in the midst of that saw God's favor in the midst of bondage that was trying to come against him. But now he's died. His family's died. But the Bible tells us that the children of Israel are continuing, in spite of that, to continue to be fruitful, to continue to increase, to continue to multiply. How many of you like it when your finances begin to multiply? Come on now. Come on, addition's good, but multiplication's even better. So this is talking about the people for a moment, but, I, but I'm going to draw some correlations from it. It goes on to say, now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. Pause there for a minute. We know his name is Pharaoh. He's one who doesn't know Joseph. He doesn't understand the things that are happening. He doesn't understand the God that Joseph serves. He doesn't understand. Maybe he's heard from times past about how Joseph actually saved the entire land because of the prophetic word that God had given him, that he spoke out and saved the country from starvation. But it goes on to say this, it says, And he said to his people, Behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest them multiply. And if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Basically, what's happening is, he's like, man, listen, there are so many of them. If we don't do something, they could overthrow us. So he comes up with this plan. It says, Therefore they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with heavy burdens. They built for Pharaoh store cities, Pythium and Ramesses. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied. The more they spread abroad, the Egyptians were in dread of the people of Israel. So they ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves, made their lives bitter with hard service and mortar and brick and all kinds of work in the field. In all their work, they ruthlessly made them work as slaves. Let me challenge you with a thought today, and that is this, that the tactics of the enemy have not changed. He doesn't have a new game plan, he just has new methods. 
His game plan has always been to see the people of God be in slavery. Why do we see men struggling with addictions in their lives even though they received the freedom from Christ? It's because they've bought into lies. Lies that the enemy would say that this addiction will somehow fuel some area of your life when only Jesus Christ can fuel that. There are so many things in culture that are trying to enslave us and one of those is money. It's trying to create bondage for us. You see, everyone in the children of Israel, including their children, including their family, all, each and every one of them found themselves in bondage, in slavery. Bondage, by definition, would be this, the state of being a slave. Servitude or subjugation to a controlling person or force. Think about that for a minute, the state of being a slave bondage. This is exactly what culture is trying to get you and I to buy into. When I think about it, I think about a world that is addicted to one thing. And the one thing we're going to talk about this morning is a word called debt. You see, the world is addicted to it. The world thinks that you can enjoy the comforts of life. You can enjoy all the comforts of everything around you. You can enjoy your Starbucks. You can have your popcorn. You can have your, your trail mix and your cookies. And if you want the water, you can have the water too. You can have the best seat in the house. You can have everything. But there's a cost that much of it comes with. It's not that the things of this world are wrong. It's not that having a nice house is wrong or having a nice car is wrong. There's nothing wrong with stuff. It's how you and I go about getting the stuff that determines whether it's right or wrong. If you're stealing stuff, we would say that's wrong. I mean, not too many people would actually, you know, dispute that. Most of us in the room would say, yes, stealing is wrong. We've learned that since we were young. We know that stealing's wrong. If you gain something through dishonest measures, we would say that's wrong. But yet in our lives and in culture, we've been taught that it's okay to go out and just put yourself in bondage. Now I know some of us may not think we're in bondage all that much, but the scriptures encourage us, not encourage us, challenge us. Like Romans chapter 13, verse 8, it says this, Oh, no one anything. That's not just encouraging, that's challenging, isn't it? Oh, no one anything. Except to love each other, for the one who loves has fulfilled the law. So we're challenged by the scriptures to owe no, nothing to anyone but love. Because you can't get away with that. You and I are constantly being challenged to love one another. And I don't think the problem with the church is the fact that we don't want to love others. I just think that we find ourselves in so much bondage that we can't. It's not that you don't want to help other people this Christmas season. It's not that you don't want to help people this holiday season. It's not that you don't want to help people throughout the year. What the problem is, is you're in bondage. And because you're in bondage, you therefore cannot help others. So the very thing that you and I are being given by God as a command, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. The very thing he's told us to do is to love others. And the reason why we love God very easily is because there's no strings attached with that. It's like we just love God. He doesn't ask for anything really in return. But when we're being asked to love others, it's harder. 
But I want to challenge you with something. I think that it's hard to love God as well. And the reason why I would say that is because many of us have been following Jesus a long time and we still don't love God with our money. See, you've thought for a long time, I love God. In fact, something right now is rising up inside of you. You're angry. You're like, I can't believe he would say that. How dare he tell me that I don't love God? Just look at your pocket. Look at your checkbook for just a moment and you tell me if the priorities of your finances show that you love God. I think many of us, if we looked at the priorities of our checkbook, we would see something. We would see that we're in bondage. Because the payments that go out in our checkbook every month aren't payments of helping others, aren't payments of saying, God, I trust you in this and I'm gonna tithe. And we'll get on that next week. We'll talk more about that. But I think what has happened is, is we have more payments in our checking account that go out to MasterCard, that go out to Visa, that go out to the Walmart credit card because those are easy to get. Ever notice how easy credit is to get? Do you know this week, this week, I got over 12 credit card offers this week in the mail. 12 credit card offers in the mail this week. All saying, we can change your life. (laughs) Think of what you can have. Take the vacation you've always wanted to take. Just put it on debt. Seven chains of bondage today that I want to talk to you about. This is where the part doesn't get that fun. You got a good back, right? You do? All right, good. This is pretty important, okay? So, wait a second, wait a second. So, in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 7, it says this. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. Seven chains of bondage today that I want to talk about. Uh, Chain number one is this is that debt obligates us to someone other than God. And so one of the things that happens in our lives is that these chains try to begin to take over. What happens in life is that instead of us being free from obligations, we actually become obligated to others other than God. You see, debt obligates us to someone other than than God. In your life, the enemy wants you to be obligated to others, not to God. It's been the tactic of the enemy since day one. Remember, back in the scripture we just read in Exodus, the enemy, which is Satan, wanted the children of God, the promised children of God, the, the faithful children of God, the ones who were chosen by God, he wanted them to find themselves in slavery. His plan was to use a king that knew not of the one true God to put the people into slavery. And he did that through their hands, through, through the tasks that were going to be laid in front of them. They were obligated by the very nature of who they were to be slaves. Proverbs 22, verse 26 says this, Be not one of those who gives pledges, who put up with the security for debts. If you have nothing for which to pay, why should your bed be taken from under you? Let me pause here for a minute. It says, Be not one of those who gives pledges, who put up security for debts. You know, some of us, we... We think that it's okay to to help other people. And let me just pause for a minute. There's nothing wrong with co-signing for a loan for somebody. But here's what I'll say. There's nothing wrong with it, but I don't think it's smart. Here's what I mean by that. If a bank 
says this person needs a cosigner to cosign, they're saying there's a risk there. When you come in and you cosign, you're assuming the risk. Now listen, that's between you and, and that person. You can work through this. I'm just saying, I just don't think it's the wisest thing to do. So m- when I was younger, I really wanted a car really bad. I wanted a car really, really bad. And I remember when I was a young kid, my dad saying to me, Brian, I will never co-sign for a vehicle for you. And I was like, you're the worst father ever. <laughs> I really did, because as a kid, I was like, I was angry. Like, Dad, you could co-sign on the loan. I was working at Village Inn at the time. I had a good job. I was working hard, all these things, bussing tables, waiting tables. Wasn't supposed to be waiting tables. Really wasn't old enough, but I was making good money. I was a good talker. Remember the one week when I got a $100 tip in one night, and those two ladies thought I was the cutest guy ever, and I sure did work it. (laughs) And they gave me a $100 tip, and I was like, hey, hey. (laughs) Mm. But my dad refused, refused to obligate himself to me. And I think there was a lot of wisdom in that. My dad said, I'm not co-signing. I'm not going to obligate myself to you, Brian. He said, I love you, but I don't know the choices you're going to make in your life financially. I'm not going to obligate myself to that. But that's what debt does, doesn't it? It obligates us to something else other than God. See, I know many of us in this room and I've heard it from many of you. You're like, man, you know, like, so for me in my life, like, so Pastor Brian, here's the deal. Like, I really feel like God's calling me into ministry, but yet you can't take those steps. You know why you can't take those steps? Is because you're obligated to someone else. When my dad went into ministry later in life, that's a part of my story that I don't know if you know that or not, but my dad went into ministry later in life, and when he did, Um, during that season, he sold everything. You know why he had to sell everything? Because he had to get out of debt so that he could go after ministry and the calling that God had in his life. And I was mad at him because he sold everything. And we went from a beautiful home that my dad had made custom. I had this huge bedroom. I mean, I I had the biggest bedroom. It was like the whole third story of our house that was up there. But my dad had to get rid of all that. Why? Because he had to follow after God's calling. But you know what happens is debt obligates us to someone other than God. Here's the second thing. Chain number two is debt affects everything that we do. Everything that we do is affected by debt. And so what happens is, is that when the debt first comes in, it's, it's not that bad. It's not even that heavy. But it will. <laughs> Isn't this how it works? A little credit card here, no big deal. Just a little bit of credit. Just a little bit of credit, no big deal. Month goes by, you didn't get to pay all that little bit of credit off. So next month, you're like, ah, just, I'll pay a little bit more on it. That's my intentions. But something comes up, you're not able to pay a little bit more. And all of a sudden, it begins to affect everything you do. It affects your attitude. affects your outlook on life, your decisions, your dreams. Everything begins to become affected by your life. Proverbs 37, verse 21 says, The wicked borrows but does not pay back. But the righteous is generous and gives, and those who are blessed by the Lord shall inherit the land, but those who are cursed by him shall be cut off. 
Listen, the wicked borrows but doesn't ever plan to pay back. But the righteous generously gives. They're not in debt. They're not individuals who find themselves in a place where they can't because they have, instead of living their lives in bondage, they have chosen to live a different life. Don't buy into the lie. Culture around you that says debt is where it's at. Now, I know some of you, you're bankers, you're, you have different industries that you come from, maybe from an industry where your industry actually has, you, you loan money out. But I will say this, those banks aren't ones who are out there actually owing everybody else a whole bunch of money. No, 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 they, they'll give you the money. They'll be the lender all day long. Why? Because they make money off of it. Because when you and I have interest, what does that mean? Interest is somebody else making money. Banks make money off of the interest they give you. So when I, when I bought my car, the bank is making money off of me because I didn't pay in cash for that. Now, you may say, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Well, I still think it's an obligation. I still think it's something that you and I find ourselves in bondage to. Number, chain number three is this. Debt is something that God wants us out of. Now, you may say, well, Pastor Brian, how, how, is that a, how is that really a chain? Well, because if you're not in it, if you still find yourself in debt, have you drank any of that? Not yet. You're probably going to want to. <laughs> How's that feeling? Are you okay? Heavy? Heavy but fine? All right. Phew. Trying to, trying to hold the heavier stuff off till later. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 12 says this. The Lord will open up to you his good treasury, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in its seasons and to bless all the work of your hands. And you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not, you shall not borrow. You can lend. You can lend to others. In fact, there's a biblical principle that we'll learn about here in a little bit, but you, you can lend to people all day long. See, God intends you and I, he, he, he intends to give you and I a trajectory that will actually help us get out of debt. Like, he doesn't want you and I to be bound by debt anymore. The issue is not the heart of his people. The issue is the bondage they carry. The issue is not that you don't want to help others. It's not that you don't love others. The problem is not that. The problem is, is we're in bondage to someone else. And because we're in bondage to someone else, what has happened is our lives revolve around that bondage. Even though we're sitting around the table, and this is what you'll see. This Thanksgiving, you will see people sitting around the table with various degrees of bondage. Various degrees of things that are weighing on their shoulders. Various degrees of things that are holding them back from being who God's actually called them to be. These things begin to pile up to where they begin to almost take over your life. Why do I know that? Because I've been there. Before you think my story is all a happy story, I remember the moment years back when Kasha and I literally had creditors calling the church. Talk about embarrassing. Because of financial decisions that we had made in our life. Now you can say all day long, hey, Pastor Brian, like you were building a church with the money. That was stupid. 
See, I was so worried about our church getting finished that we had planted that when the money ran out, instead of me being wise, I went into the world's thinking and I thought it's no big deal, I'll just use my personal credit card. It has $30,000 of available credit on it. The church will pay me back because why? Because God is faithful. And is God faithful? Yes. But does he sometimes say you're going to deal with the stupidness you put yourself in? Yes. So I personally used our personal credit card. And I remember when the accountant would come to me, her name was Jody, and she'd say, Pastor Brian, you know, like, we got to pay this bill and this bill, and I know you have those bills. What do you want me to do? I would say, oh, hold off. Don't pay me. Pay them because our image in the community is more important. And so I just kept bearing the brunt of it and bearing the brunt of it. But here's the thing. When you get $30,000 worth of credit card debt on there, one month of interest is like $800 to $900. Do you know how bad that hurts? <laughs> really bad. <laughs> because all of a sudden that debt is coming on and it's coming on me. And so all of a sudden, I'm getting paid off from the church because they're paying the expenses. But the money, the interest, is just compounding. And so each month, $900 of interest that keeps getting tagged on month after month because I wasn't even aware it was even happening in the beginning. Because I was like, that's no big deal. That's just how we do it, you know? Like, we just go into debt for it. But compounding debt just keeps compounding because now I'm being charged interest on the $900. And instead of the church paying me back for all those things, it's just compounding and compounding and compounding and compounding. We had such great credit because we were so good at carrying debt. You know what that's, that's what good credit means? You're a good person to loan to. Do you know rich people don't have good credit? You know why? Because they don't owe people money. Good credit. I'm telling you, like, and I could unpack this for years, so we're not going to. So um, let me get back to my notes, because if not, we'll be here the rest of the day. Debt number, or chain number four, debt was short-term in the Bible. Here, here's what I'll say before I put the chain on you. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 1 says this, At the end of every seven years, you shall grant a release. Oh, this is good news. So every seven years you would be granted a release from your debt. Goes on to say this, and this is the manner of the release. Every creditor shall release what he has lent to his neighbor. He shall not exact it of his neighbor, his brother, because the Lord release has been proclaimed. So here's the thing. The longest term of debt in the Bible was seven years. You know why? I think there's some wisdom in that. So if I went out and bought a house for $200,000, a 30-year mortgage would cost me in interest at the end of 30 years, I've paid my payments, I've been faithful, everything. You know what? I didn't pay $200,000 for that home. No, with interest, I actually paid $133,000 in interest. So that $200,000 home at the end of 30 years actually cost me $333,000. Isn't that a great deal? I mean, it just seems like it's a fantastic deal. But here's the thing, if I was to do a 15-year mortgage, the interest would drop from 133000 to 75000 Okay, now we're talking a little better. A 10-year mortgage, though, would drop it down to where I only paid interest of $48,000. But if we did it God's way, if we actually did a 7-year mortgage, get this, 38000 only is what you would pay in interest. 
And at the end of the seven years, your home would be yours. Now, some of you are like, well, Pastor Brian, like, you don't understand what my payment would be at that. It'd be a lot of money. I know. But is there something about a biblical principle that should be in play in our lives? I'm just challenging you to, to think about it. I'm not going to hold it against your, over your head if you have a 30-year mortgage. Listen, if you have a 30-year mortgage, that's fine. I have a 30-year mortgage. But you know what I'm being challenged with right now? How can I pay it off sooner? How can I live in a way to where I can pay that off sooner? Because, because remember, that chain that we talk about is that the chain was, that debt was a short term in the Bible. I'm sorry, I've got to do this to you. It's going to be heavy. I told you. But I'm going to go really fast on these last ones, okay? You got it? All right. Do you want to just hold this? Are you okay? All right. You said you were strong. Chain number five. Debt has the possibility of dictating your future. How many people's lives are being affected and their future is being affected because of debt? It's interesting to think about this. If you went and tried to break up with your car loan, let's just go back to junior high for a moment. You went to your bank and you were like, I am not going to pay my car loan anymore. You know what they'd do? The first month they'd call you. Hey, we haven't seen your payment. Just wanted to remind you. Next month, you'd get a letter. Next month, you'd get another phone call. By that fourth month, they hire a guy that looks like this. <laughs> Strong. And he takes those chains, and he hooks them up underneath your car, and he takes your car away. Because you can't just break up with the loan you have. It just doesn't work that way. Our futures are dictated by our debt and the bondages that we carry. There are individuals in this room, you have dreams and visions that God has placed in your heart. Maybe it's a business dream. But when you look at your own life, you realize you are in bondage and that dream has just got to wait. I just can't do it right now. I mean, I could go into more debt to accomplish the dream, but right now you're realizing that's not at all where God wants you. Chain number six, debt relies on a source other than God. Would be nice. I'm sure this is getting heavy now. You're getting used to it. Oh, it's fantastic. That's exactly what we want. Please just get used to it here. Can we? Well, I mean, all right, hold on. Oh, sorry about that. All right. We don't want you to get used to it. Oh, no. All right. Your hands are free. Here, take a drink. That's pretty good, isn't it? Do you like that? Is that good? You need some popcorn? You got the best seat in the house. It comes at a cost. 
Debt relies on a source other than God. Remember Bill Hybels last week, we were talking about this. He defines debt as comes from wanting more than God's current provision for your life and arranging other ways to get it. So many times in our lives, what happens is instead of trusting God in the moment, waiting, being patient, trusting him in the moment, being patient, instead we take things into our own hands and we say, no, I, I gotta have it now. I just, I don't wanna wait. I need it now. I need that nice car now. I need, that, I need those nice things now. I, I need those things now. And what happens is, is it becomes a weight on us. Chain number seven, debt can affect our relationship with God, our family, and our marriage. The very thing that we think that we're actually going in more debt to help, our family, our marriage, my, my wife really needs this, we really need these things, is the very thing that actually affects CNBC did a report here a while back, and they said that money is the leading cause of stress in marriages. According to Citibank, the credit card company, they did a survey, and 57% of divorced couples actually cited money problems as the primary reason for the demise of their marriage. You don't think that money will create bondage in your life that will literally destroy the very things that you actually are going after, it will. It, it, its whole goal is to enslave you. Like the children of Israel, their, their whole lives revolved around slavery, around this bondage they found themselves in. Every day they went out to pay for the bondage they found themselves in. Sound familiar? Every day they went out month after month, day after day, going to pay back someone else, going to pay someone else's bill, going to, to build someone else's empire. That's where the children of Israel found themselves. And the devil has just been craftier in his approach now with the American church. And what he said is, well, slavery, if I can't enslave people anymore because people have rose up and said that's wrong, then what I'll do is I'll enslave them through money. I'll cause them to be in debt. Now, I know there's no such thing as debtor's prison. I understand that. But boy, does it seem to wear on you after a while. Boy, does it seem to begin to take its toll. So number seven would be this. Well, that is number seven, and I already gave it to you, so I just forgot to give you your, your debt. You got this? You got it? All right. All right. You got the best seat in the house. Here, you hold this. Oh, sorry, your watch. <gasps> you can just turn that in. It's turning as a bill. All right. How you feeling? It's getting heavy. It's funny because when, when he started out, he said what? Remember earlier, he said, ah, I'm getting used to it. Isn't that how it works? Dead in our lives, we, we just start getting used to it. But then we reach a tipping point. You always reach a tipping point. You always reach that moment where it really begins to affect you, where it begins to actually take a toll. He can't even get his Starbucks refresher because he has to hold on to his chains. 
So let me give seven statements of freedom because we need to get them free from this. Seven statements of freedom. First is this. Ask and commit to God to get out of debt. Now, notice the ask first. A lot of us ask God all the time for things. God, I'm asking that you would help me get out of debt, but then we never commit to it. It's like we want this fairy tale moment to happen. Like, God, I just want this next month when I go to the, the mailbox, every bill would somehow, and, and I remember listening to a preacher stand on stage and say, God loves you so much, and here's what I'm believing he's going to do for you. He's going to take those numbers that are on those credit card bills, and they're going to come down to zeros if you'll give to God today. And I remember sitting there watching that and thinking, okay, touch not God's anointed. Is this guy God's anointed? Hmm. God, you need to deal with that man. You need to deal with his heart. Because what he's saying right now, God, I do not think is from you. Because God doesn't work it that way. God doesn't say, oh, you got yourself into a bunch of mess? Oh, let me give you the easy way out. Because if there was an easy way out, don't you think Jesus would have taken it? Because I can tell you this, the cross was not an easy way. It wasn't like God was up in heaven like, oh, Jesus, it's going to be a lot of work for you to take the cross. Oh, it's going to be a lot of pain. It's going to be a lot of agony. You're going to go through a lot those three days. Oh, well, okay, then let's just make it easy. Let's just forgive everyone. He didn't take the easy route. He took the hard route. And here's what's even crazier. Jesus took the hard route, not because of anything he had done wrong. So before you start saying, they wronged me and they did this and they did that and that's why I find myself in here, that doesn't work. Because Jesus was without fault. So you're without fault reason for how you got yourself in it. It's somebody else's fault. That does not work. You still gotta go through the hard stuff. You still got to go through the pain of it. So you ask and you commit to God to get out of debt. Romans 13, 8, we said this earlier. Owe no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Isn't it great when God starts removing debt? Can we take some of this from you? Like when God comes in and he's like, uh, here, let me, uh, let me take that. It's pretty good, right? We're getting somewhere. <laughs> number two, number two, don't acquire more debt. Listen, you've asked God, you've committed to God, you said, God, I'm asking you to help me to get out of debt. God, I'm going to do it. Then stop acquiring more debt. Stop acquiring more debt. Here's, here, this is a great statement. You're probably going to want to write this down. I didn't put it on the screen because I, I want you to really think about this. You'll never get out of the hole you're in until you stop digging. You'll never get out of the hole you're in until you stop digging. Deuteronomy 28, 12 says, the Lord will open up to you his good treasury, the heavens, to give the rain to the land in its season, to bless all the work of your hands, and you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. These passages of scripture are being continue to, to be spoken over you and me. Why? Because God is calling us to live in a place of freedom, not a place of bondage. 
So don't acquire more debt. Any one in particular you want to get me to remove? None? Okay, all right, I'll take this one then. Your choice. I gave you an opportunity. Number three, put God first in your finances. There is one area that Kasha and I have always been faithful in our lives, and it has been in putting God first. We have always tithed. We've always given in our lives. You know, today you're going to receive a book on the way out, a book that's been really challenging to me in my life. And I believe this, and I was telling a friend of mine this week, I said, man, if we can get the principles in this book, it will change us. I believe that. If you'll get the principles in this book, it will change your life forever. You will look back and you will say, man, I remember in November of 2017 when I started on a journey that changed my life, but it didn't just change my life, it changed my kids' lives, it changed my entire family's life. Like, there was a moment where we drew a line in the sand and we said, no more. There was a moment where we said, we're going to be free from the chains of bondage of debt in our lives. We're not going to live that way anymore. We're choosing to live life differently. In the book, he talks about how he says, if the church, if the people of God would get this one principle right, putting God first in their finances, he says it would change everything. You see, here's what's crazy. We've bought into the lie that it's the government's responsibility to take care of the poor when never in the Bible is it ever said. It's actually the church's responsibility to take care of the poor and to take care of the widows and to take care of the orphans. We're actually instructed through the word of God to do that. But what has happened is, is because we've lived and chosen to live our lives in bondage, what has happened is, is instead of putting God first, we put others first in our finances. Instead of trusting God in our lives and following biblical principles, we've said, no, no, I'll put other things in place and in line. And what has happened is we found ourselves in bondage. And so what happened is, is, is when the poor couldn't be taken care of anymore and the orphan couldn't be taken care of more and the widows couldn't be taken care of anymore, we looked to the government and we said, government, you do it. Could the problem never have been the problem been with Social Security? Maybe the problem's always been with the church. Because it's our responsibility to take care. I know you don't like to hear that. Because you're like, but I still have to pay Social Security. I know, it stinks. Imagine being a young person, being told right now, probably by the time you get to that age, there'll be no money for you. Well, fantastic. Let me keep giving. But you know what? It's a part of living in this land. And I can tell you this. I would much rather live here in America than other countries. There are some places around the world. I've been to Haiti, and you know what? I don't want to live in Haiti. I don't. I have good friends that live in Haiti, and the stuff they go through is really tough. And they're missionaries. They're not living the life of most Haitians. All right, so we talked about this, putting God first. So which one do you want? Which one do you want removed? You say it. That one right there? All right. Man, you're a tough guy. This one right here. Number four. What's number four? Yep. 
So we got to have a written plan. If you and I don't have a written plan, then here's the thing. You'll just keep making the same mistakes. Habakkuk 2.2 says this, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. There's this whole idea of when you write things down, you're able to then go after it. And here's what I'll tell you. The enemy hates a written plan. How do I know that? Because he hates the Bible. And do you know what the Bible is? It's God's written plan for you and I. The beautiful thing is, is we live in a time and culture where God said, here, here's the word of God. I'm not only going to give you the Holy Spirit, but I'm also going to give you the scriptures. This is a written plan for you to live your life by. But we as Christians pick and choose which parts we think are good. Well, the giving part, I don't know about that. I'll take the bondage. And so what happens is, is we've lived our lives like that. See, if you'll envision the finish line, then what will happen is excitement will begin to... When you write down, and here's what I would encourage you. Sit down and write down all of your debts first. Write them all down. Every penny you owe every person. Your mortgage, your credit card, your car payment, anything. You owe Uncle Tom some money from someone he borrowed you from you. You know, like, whatever, whatever he lends you money, write it all out. Okay, write it all out. And then what I want you to do is write out all your income. This is what, how much money I make. Okay, and, once, and then, then you go back up to the top, and once you've said these are the amounts, write down what your monthly payment is. Just write it out. This is my monthly payment. And like Dave Ramsey says, he says, then you start creating a debt snowball. He says you go after your smallest amount that you owe first, and you work really hard to get that sucker paid off. And you put all extra money towards it. You're like, but I don't have extra money. Okay, don't go to Starbucks. Don't go over here. Don't do that. Kick back on something so you can create some margin in your life. If you're that tight every month, then create the margin through actually not indulging in the things of this world sometimes. I know you're like, I really need my coffee every morning. Get free coffee from somewhere. Come, come by Bethany. We'll give you a free cup. Some of you are like, really? Sure, we'll give you a free cup of coffee. Have a written plan. And there's more pieces to that. But then what happens is, is when, you, when you get that amount paid off, you celebrate. You're like, woo! You celebrate as a family. You're telling your wife, woo, baby, we paid it off. Woo, 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 woo. You're doing the happy dance. Like, you're pumped. You're excited. And then you take all that money that you would have been paying towards that payment. So if it was $100 a month, you take that and you put it on the next one. And what happens, it creates this debt snowball because all of a sudden, as you pay two or three things off, you have $100 here, $100 here, $100 there. Now, all of a sudden, you're making a $300 a month payment. Now, all of a sudden, instead of just making your mortgage payment, now you're able to actually, in the end, start paying your whole mortgage off. And before some of you sit there and go, well, I, they, I've heard that it's a bad idea to pay your mortgage off. And here's, I did some research on it because I actually heard people talking about that. And so here's what I found out. Actually... In San Francisco, if you live in San Francisco, that is true. Do you live in San Francisco? Do you live out in that area? No, you don't. Because out in that area, the average median price of a house is like $733,000. How many of you like that house payment? So there, it makes sense to actually have a, a, a mortgage and stuff like that with all the different things, because they say that in that way you'll get a tax benefit that could be worth 
upwards of $17,632. But here we go. In, in 2016, the national medium home sales price was $222,000. Now, I'm going to say a lot of things right now that aren't going to make sense to you. Some of you it will, and then we'll get to the part that will. With 20% equity stake in a 30-year mortgage loan at 6% in the first year, the tax benefit is estimated to be $1,195. The value of that deduction for a couple in the 25% tax bracket declines every year until in the 13th year, it's only worth a grand total of $3. I told you I'd get to the part that would go, oh, <laughs> $3. Here we go. In the lower-priced area, it gets worse. Married taxpayers in Akron, Ohio, oh, we're getting pretty close to there, who own a regional median price house worth 110200 mortgaged with 20% equity, who are in the 25% tax bracket, would receive zero tax benefits from day one. Listen, the world will try to get you to buy into their idea of bondage all day long. Trust the word of God. Trust that it says we're to be the lenders, not the borrowers. Number three, five. Five, sorry, five. We're gonna get it off. We gotta wrap this thing up. Yeah? Yeah, <laughs> okay. Number five, put a time frame on it. Put a time frame on it. Listen, I've found many times in my life when I don't put a time frame on something, it never gets done. Anyone been there? Remember last week I was talking about the garage? I didn't put a time frame on it. Two years we filled that sucker up. I put a time frame on it, so we're going to do this. We're going to take care of the garage. Listen, you can't get the things done until you put a time frame on it. You'll never take the first step. There'll always be other reasons. There'll always be other reasons. Your kid's going to graduate from high school. Christmas is here. All these reasons why. There's always going to be reasons why. Put a time frame on it. Some of you are already thinking, you know, once I get past Christmas, then we'll, we'll focus on trying to get out of debt. <laughs> You've already made that. And you might, no, put a time frame to it. Say, no, no, we're going to start now. We're going to start doing it. And number six is this. Adjust your lifestyle. Adjust your lifestyle. What are you willing to live without so that you can live in the freedom that God's called you to live in? What is it in your life that you know that you need to adjust in your life? Listen, all across this room, there are various things that we could all adjust that would create more money in our lives. Driving less. Getting rid of a bazillion cable channels. Think about the things that you could cut back on. Now, I know many of you in this room, you've already done that. You've already started cutting back things in your life. Oh, I need to take some chains from you, don't I? <laughs> Which one you want? This one. Okay, I figured. But think about that for a second. There are a lot of us who have these bondages around us. You're actually sweating. <laughs> I can see it glistening through your hair. You have good hair. Are you feeling better? Feeling a lot better? That was heavy. This is heavy right now. That's a lot of weight. You know what's great? Sometimes God just skips you to the end. 
You're welcome. <laughs> I feel bad that you're saying thank you to me <laughs> when I should be saying thank you to you. It's crazy because you had no idea what you were getting yourself into, did you? Nah. Isn't that how it works a lot of times? We don't even have an idea of what we're getting ourselves into. We think it's no big deal. We think, ah, it's just a little debt. Just a little extra stuff to carry around. And all of a sudden, we think, we think we're getting the best seat in the house. We think we've, we're getting all the, all the good stuff. Let this sink in. The enemy wants you and I bound. If I had to carry around what you were carrying, that's heavy. I don't know how much weight it is, but it's a lot. If I would have said, hey, get up and walk around on the stage while we were doing that, you would have said, I don't know if I can do that. It literally forced you to stay in the chair. Because it weighed on you so much. So what do we got to do? Number seven, develop a system to get out of your debt. Develop a system. It's going to take hard work. It's going to take a plan. It's going to take God coming in and removing some stuff. And, and here's what I'll tell you. God doesn't want you to carry this. So if he doesn't want you to carry it, if you'll ask him and commit to it, he will begin taking that off. But it's going to take a system. It's going to take a plan. It's going to take time. Psalms chapter 84, verse 11 says this, For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Stand up for me. Will you do that now? You feeling all right? Yep. You sure? I don't have to go to the gym. You don't have to go to the gym today? <laughs> good, good. Thanks for carrying that. Because here's what I'll tell you. You being willing to carry that weight for just a short period of time is giving hope to people all across this room, people watching online, who are saying, yeah, that's how it's been in my life. But God wants me to be free. It says this, for the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord God bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. See, bondage forced him to not walk uprightly. But the goodness of God, who delivers us from the bondage, allows us to walk uprightly. Will you give him a big hand today? Thank you. Don't forget your stuff over there. That's all yours. Come on. There you go. Got your snacks. Got your goodies. They're not very gym approved. I should have, should have got gym approved things. There's going to be people 
gathered around your table at your home who are carrying bondage. What's sad is that some of them don't know who Jesus is and they're just following your example. Today, here's how we're going to end. It's real simple. We believe that you can be set free from bondage. I wish it could happen in the time frame that this gathering happened and like you experienced. But as I've been taught for a long time, you don't get there overnight. The mess you got yourself into, the bondage you took on, it happened over a long period of time. And, and young people, please, young people, hear me out. Just don't buy into it. Just don't buy into it. When Kasha and I first got married, we wanted everything. And so the credit card company said you could have everything. So we went out and we bought brand new furniture. We, you know how many of that brand new furniture I still have today? None of it. Spend money on all this brand new furniture, all this brand new stuff, owed money to all these people. And all it did is put more stress on me at work. I had to work harder. I worked in sales. And so I would go into work and instead of being in a place where I could actually do well, I had all this pressure. I got to pay off the credit cards because that's how I had chosen to live my life. And in that season I could, but it was really, really hard. So I was stressed out all the time. And then the enemy comes in and starts trying to deal with your mind and putting other people around you, right? And I, I worked in Sodom and Gomorrah where basically everyone was like, you just cheat on your spouse. That's what you do. That's what we do in the sales industry. That's just that whole environment that I was in. So put on top of that, the stress of finances and having to make all this money, being newly married, those just aren't good places to be. And praise God, God brought us through that. He saw us through that. But it was stupid that every month I was coming in and putting on the debt. Come on, no big deal. I'll just, I can't even put it on. It's so heavy. I'll just wear it around. No big deal. This is heavy. Maybe I should have put it on myself beforehand. How many of these did? Holy smokes. Forget that. I'm really sorry. <laughs> Nicole, you need to give him something else, like gift card to Starbucks. I mean, what do you want? A gym membership? I mean, chiropractor? <laughs> maybe, maybe need to rethink that one next gathering. What God wants to do is set you free. But it's going to take time. It's going to take commitment. It's going to take you saying, this is the commitment I'm making. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to simply ask the Lord today to give us the strength we need to take this journey. And that's it. That's it. If God wants us to be free, which I believe he does, then we're going to walk that out. 
Kasha and I are sewing this book into your hands because we want to give you a tool. Read it. I've highlighted pages all throughout this book. And the reason why is because there are things that jumped out to me. I was like, oh my goodness, that is so good. We want to sew this into your life because we want you to be free. Because when you can be free, you can be the best you. And if you'll be the best you, we can change the world around us. So get rid of the bondage. So let's pray. Father, across this room, we're asking you. We're asking. Come on, all across this room, just begin to lift your voice right now. Just ask him. Just ask him right now. Father, set me free from death. God, give me strength to be able to take that journey. God, give me a greater understanding of your truth. God, we ask and we commit and we believe, God, that if we'll do that, that you'll walk each and every step along with us. Father, we love you. We love you, God. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.